This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Kansas U.S. Senator Jerry Moran. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the crop insurance industry. NCIS provides the primary safety net for millions of acres of cropland and hundreds of commodities across the U.S., enabling farmers to supply our country with food and fiber year after year. AgriPulse continues with our guest, U.S. Senator Jerry Moran, after this. America's farmers and ranchers are relying on crop insurance more now than ever before to provide individualized protection and to secure operating loans. Protecting more than 290 million acres of farmland and more than 130 commodities across the U.S., crop insurance is the primary safety net for many farmers, enabling them to supply our country with food and fiber year after year. Crop insurance, providing peace of mind now and for the next generation of agriculture. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Our guest this week is U.S. Senator for Kansas, Jerry Moran. The Kansas Republican played an instrumental role in the GOP's congressional victories in the U.S. Congress. Moran serves on five Senate committees. He chairs the Appropriations Subcommittee on Agriculture, Rural Development, Food and Drug Administration, and related agencies. Moran says last fall's election delivered two important messages from voters. Uh, President Obama said that the election was a referendum on his policies. Um, and to, me, to, to in my view, that was true. And in states in which we had statewide Senate races, uh, generally the, the president's agenda was rejected. But there's also a very strong message from the election, which is, why can't you all work together and get something done? And I certainly hope that that attitude prevails. It's now um, April. Uh, we're three-plus months into a new session, and uh, our ability to, to meet that, why can't you work together and get something done mandate from the election uh, is still a little bit up in the air, although already I see progress in that regard. And from an agricultural point of view, uh, you know, we've, the, the farm bill is in place. Uh, there will be debate about whether or not the farm bill should be modified in this new Congress. My guess is the answer to that question is no. But the appropriations process will give us a chance to, to get, as I said earlier, to fill in the blanks. I think the greatest threat, and in fact the, the outcome of whether or not farmers in my home state of Kansas have a future, and there's another generation returning to family farms, I think the greatest threat to that desired outcome is the regulatory environment. Uh, and by that, I mean Environmental Protection Agency, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, uh, Department of Transportation, Hours of Service. Uh, it's, it's just a long list, and that's where I hope that Congress uh, will devote a significant amount of attention in trying to rein in the regulatory mess that Washington, D.C. Uh, provides. Do you think in this appropriation process you will spend as much time on developing policy and policy writers as you will the individual numbers? Well, certainly I suppose you would say if you, if you looked at what you would expect from an appropriations committee or from the agricultural appropriations subcommittee, you would think that's a matter of determining the priorities of spending. How much money does each uh, program within the Department of Agriculture uh, need, what are our priorities, where are we going to spend more money, where are we going to spend less, where are the things that we can spend no money, uh, perhaps because it's not government's job to be involved in those issues. And that clearly, uh, I, I would say, takes uh, front and center. But the, as I say, the threat to agriculture is in what agencies are doing. Uh, and while the Farm Bill is done, uh, it was passed in, in the previous year, what I detect is coming is now an attack on crop insurance 
And my guess, for example, that when the agricultural appropriation bill comes to the Senate floor, that you will see amendments offered to alter the, the nature of the support that the taxpayers provide for crop insurance. You may see issues related to payment limitations. And so there is ag policy that will be determined, perhaps not in the positive aspect, not, not in the sense that the Agriculture Appropriations Subcommittee is trying to advance new policy, but there will be the opportunity to, in many instances, defend some of the provisions that will be controversial and subject to attack that are in the current farm bill. Senate Agriculture Committee Chair Pat Roberts uh, told us on this program that he would not reopen the farm bill and that he did not believe that nutrition would be a gateway toward agriculture policy. He's also Ag Committee Chair, Europe Subcommittee Chair on Appropriations uh, for Agriculture. House Agriculture Committee Chairman Mike Conaway told me that he wants a soup-to-nuts review of all nutrition programs. How do you see nutrition being a part of this appropriation process? And if it's viewed that there should be cuts in nutrition programs, does that mandate that there will be challenges for farm program spending? Well, I would say that uh, in all likelihood, the Appropriations Committee uh, and certainly the Agricultural Appropriations Subcommittee I chair uh, will have uh, little initially to do with a review of SNAP, food stamp programs, nutrition programs within the Department of Agriculture and authorized by the Farm Bill. One reason is that many of those programs, those nutrition programs, are what's called mandatory spending. They occur regardless of the appropriations process each year. So in many instances, the nutrition programs are outside the normal appropriation process. In addition, particularly with uh, with Chairman Conaway and Senator Roberts, Chairman of the, of the Senate Agriculture Committee, saying they're going to review this issue of food stamp programs, nutrition programs, I would say that we have the uh, responsibility to defer to the so-called authorizing committees, meaning that front and center will be Conaway and Roberts and their committees in regard to this topic. What about school nutrition and nutrition rules? Will that come up in discussion under appropriations? Uh, I believe it will. Uh, there is a lot of dissatisfaction by the professionals, the, the, the nutritionists at schools across the country. Certainly hear that from my constituents in Kansas. A lot of concern by school officials. And uh, once again, it's a very heavy hand uh, of the federal government that's determining what's best in every school district across the country. And yet we know that every school district is different. And the needs of the students and the families of those school districts ought to be uh, met, determined by decisions made at home, not in Washington, D.C. So I think you'll see the opportunity for uh, certainly amendments to be offered and debate to be had about altering uh, the Department of Agriculture's uh, standards. A related topic is the dietary guidelines that are being developed. And, of course, the Department of Agriculture and the Department of Health and Human Services has had an advisory committee that has recommended some very uh, controversial and, and, in my view, things that I uh, oppose. Uh, and in large part, the opposition on my part and from many others comes from, one, the, the uh, outcome in regard to lean uh, beef uh, and its role in our diet. But in a broader sense, and they're very much related, the decision by this advisory committee to utilize um, environmental standards, not the science related to nutrition and health. So the the advisory committee went way beyond its jurisdiction, um, uh, beyond its instructions, and now wants to put uh, uh, environmental uh, constraints on the dietary guidelines. And in my view, those two things don't mix. 
This was about nutrition. That's hard enough to figure out what the right answers are. And that's an example of where we will have a, a significant opportunity to require that the department, particularly the Department of Agriculture, but also the Department of Health and Human Services, I'm on the appropriations subcommittee that has its budget as well, that it, in the words of Secretary Vilsack, colors within its line. The Healthy Hunger-Free Kids Act expires September 30th. Is it possible for a rewrite of that or some compromise to tie over until it can be redone? Well, this is certainly a better question for uh, Senator Roberts and, and for Chairman Conaway. Uh, it is a topic of, that receives significant attention. But my experience in the United States Senate has been that it's been difficult to get consensus Again, find 60 votes for many of these topics, and it becomes a challenge for a rewrite or a reauthorization. Uh, and so sometimes we're incapable of even reaching a consensus to do an extension. So I would guess that this issue will be uh, you know, fraught with significant kind of challenges, and uh, I'm unlikely that there is a significant piece of legislation that rewrites or reauthorizes this act. Secretary of Agriculture uh, Vilsack has shared with me that there's not anything else that he can do in writing uh, regulations to implement country of origin labeling unless Congress takes action. We are still waiting uh, on an appeal through the WTO with regard to our cool rule under the Farm Bill. Is this addressed in your committee? How does the Congress handle this situation, especially in light of potential trade retaliation? Uh, Jeff, in my days in the House of Representatives, I, of course, served on the House Agriculture Committee. It's where you and I met. Uh, I've been through three farm bills in my time. Uh, I've been on conference, the conference committee that created the farm bill twice. What I would say is I thought we had country of origin labeling behind us, that we were done. Uh, this issue has been with me since I've been in Congress. Uh, we need to have certainty and resolution, both for the consumer, for our trading partners, and particularly for livestock producers and the businesses that they support. Uh, it does seem to me that, uh, particularly with the potential for retaliatory sanctions against products from the United States, this issue will heat up uh, in this Congress, and either through the authorizing committee or through the appropriations process, there will be an effort to try to make some changes to country of origin labeling so that those retaliatory sanctions uh, don't uh, have a, a significant consequence so that the sanctions are eliminated and are trading partners or our competitors don't have standing. I'd like to see country of origin labeling concluded, uh, and it remains controversial and remains difficult. It's a shame that we're in a circumstance in which we now allow others, other countries, to dictate uh, our policies, but that's a result of our trading agreements. My best guess is that uh, this is an issue that will require attention uh, and uh, it'll be a challenge to accomplish, but uh, will be necessary because of those sanctions. In some broad stroke questions here on the 12th, a hearing on the FDA's budget for the coming fiscal year, and on the 17th of March, a hearing for the Department of Agriculture spending. What did you learn from those hearings, and what would you say are definite priorities? Well, uh, certainly USDA and its budget I have some uh, significant familiarity with. Uh, FDA is a relatively new issue to me. So in both these instances, uh, but particularly with FDA, it was an opportunity to learn about the agency, its mission, uh, its, its goals and its functions, the challenges it faces. Incidentally, we'll have a couple of more, in fact, a, a series of those hearings, including uh, a focus on conservation practices, on rural development, 
so this is just the beginning as we learn uh, about each department, but more importantly, how that we learn about each agency and what uh, we can do to help make it more efficient, to provide it the necessary resources and not a dime more. While on FDA, your thoughts on the FDA new menu labeling requirement? Well, I think they've gone a bit far and uh, very much would like to see them rein in their broad, expansive rule. I raised a number of issues at that hearing, but for example, the requirement that, that they've expanded what, what I think was initially Congress's intention is to have menu labeling in a restaurant. That's where the word menu uh, comes from. Uh, and so you're in a restaurant, you can make decisions. Uh, about uh, the, the nutritional value of your food, and you make the decision as a consumer whether you want to, to, to purchase that menu item. But the rules have taken us to, for example, a food delivery. And, uh, uh, for example, the, the, uh, the salad bar in a, in a grocery store. Those are very difficult to accomplish, and why it may be very useful to know uh, nutritional content of things that you buy uh, from a delivery uh, food service or that you buy at a grocery store uh, from a salad bar, a food bar, that's pretty hard to accomplish. And we need to make certain that we always take in, the agency takes into account, in a sense, cost-benefit analysis. What can we accomplish in a reasonable, rational, smart way that is not too burdensome, onerous, and expensive? And so we're encouraging FDA to, to rein in the expansive nature. An example of what we're talking about is the FDA guidelines would require that a pizza delivery box, the box that the pizza comes in when you call in or, or order your pizza online, would have the nutritional content of that particular pizza. There are hundreds of varieties, and for a business to try to put on any one box the nutritional uh, makeup of that particular pizza is very challenging. And the rules, for example, don't allow that to be provided in, a, in more general terms or even specific terms. On the Internet, every box has to say what it uh, contains. That's impractical. And so, you know, it's like so many things. It's trying to get common sense brought into a process in which there's some well-intended, uh, there's, there's good intentions, but the end result is sometimes just causes us all to shake our head. Finally, with regard to trade, how do you see the debate on trade promotion authority? And as a sidebar, your thoughts on expanding trade and relations with Cuba? Well, I certainly am and have been for a long time a supporter of the opportunity to sell agriculture, commodities, food, and medicine to Cuba. I offered an amendment on the House floor in July of 2000 that became ultimately part of a law that changed the embargo as it relates to those two things, food, medicine, agriculture, commodities. I remember it was a very controversial and, and kind of had a number of members of Congress in my face, but the end result was 301 to 114 majority of Republicans, majority of Democrats said it's time to change our policy. And as I've said, uh, you know, on the Senate floor and on the House floor, in Kansas, we'll try something once. If it doesn't work, we might try it a second or third time. But after 50-plus years, we would begin to try something different. And by that, I mean the, the, the policy is designed to change the, the, the government of Cuba, and it hasn't succeeded. I happen to believe that dealing with Cuba not only is advantageous but for, for American agriculture, but more importantly... I think it changes the nature of the relationship between the Cuban people and their government and promotes freedom. In regard to trade promotion authority, um, while I've had this thought over a course of time that we ought not give the president, uh, this president in particular, uh, in fact, I should just say that, we should not give this president more authority to do things. He doesn't live within the authority that has been granted to him by Congress. 
and in my view exceeds the, uh, the, the constitutional parameters of an executive uh, branch uh, official, of a president. Uh, but the reality is that, particularly in agriculture, but in many things, things that we produce in Kansas, uh, exports matter. Ninety-nine percent of the mouths to feed are outside the United States, and if we want agriculture to be successful in the United States, it has to be able to export those uh, commodities and food products uh, around the globe. What I think is missing here, and, and while I think there's some lip service by this administration uh, to trade promotion authority, uh, it's a it's a policy that is generally supported by Republicans and and some Democrats, but many Democrats are always are just generally opposed to this issue, uh, and it's going to take presidential leadership to get it accomplished, and I think that's what's missing at the moment. Uh, it's more us. The, the president says he's for trade promotion authority, but I've seen little evidence that uh, he and his administration are actually convincing Democrats, senators, and House members. Senator, we appreciate the time you've shared with us. I would just offer an open microphone to you for issues you see of importance to this Congress uh, and certainly to the industry of agriculture. Well, Jeff, you've asked me some very good questions, and I appreciate that. I just hope that this Congress is one that can work together for the good of the American people, that the vast majority of issues that we face need to be dealt with in a, in a cooperative way. There are a few issues in which it's hard to find common ground, and you wouldn't want it to uh, walk away from your principles, the things you campaigned on. But the larger set of issues are ones that uh, Republicans, Democrats, uh, ought to be able to cooperate sufficiently to have the debate and take the votes. Uh, and then I would say the goal here is to make certain that the American dream. If there's a, if, if my my purpose in being in public position, uh, being a United States senator, is that I want freedom and liberty that is guaranteed by our Constitution to be available to, to to future generations, and I want to make sure that Americans today and in the future, our kids and grandkids, can pursue the American dream. And to bring that back to agriculture, the goal here is to make sure sure that young sons and daughters. Uh, family members, grandkids can return to family farms in Kansas and across the country. Uh, that's a great development, uh, certainly for that family. It's a great development for the community that they support. And in my view, that lifestyle that um, that farmers provide, in which sons and daughters work side by side with parents and grandparents, that's something our country desperately needs. That uh, because the the concept of integrity and uh, values, uh, honesty, a hard day's work. All those values that are so prevalent in rural America are transmitted from generation to generation. We need that to occur in Kansas and states across the nation. Our thanks to Kansas U.S. Senator Jerry Moran, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the crop insurance industry. NCIS provides the primary safety net for millions of acres of cropland and hundreds of commodities across the U.S., enabling farmers to supply our country with food and fiber year after year. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Alley.